boys are back. Boys are back. We're not alone. Honored, honored guest here. Big welcome, settlers. Big welcome to the pod to our our dear friend and longtime movie enthusiast, Rob Rob Haas. Welcome, Rob. Yeah. The honor is mine. It's a pleasure to be here with you fellas. You know, a couple of reasons we we got Rob onto this pod. One is he's perhaps the most devout HTTYD fan I've ever ever encountered. He's been singing the film's praises for a, a decade plus, I would say at this point. Uh in my ear to watch it as much as I am often in in the ears of others to watch movies and specifically animated movies. But Rob also we we've built up a little tradition with him. He's based in Baltimore hometown of the bros so when the holiday season comes around we can always count on him to join us out for whatever the latest and greatest at the theaters is we had a great great journey out to no way home a couple uh a couple years back uh avatar Avatar last year yeah yeah so we we had to i mean we're we're a couple months out here so i thought first things first we gotta we gotta talk what are we what are we lining up i think our I think the slate could be better, to be honest. I think the writer's strike has kind of pushed back some of the the big names that were supposed to be coming out. I'm gonna, yeah, we're gonna have to look at at what's coming out. I Get think a um, with the killers of the flower man dropping in uh, October, you know, yeah, yeah, a little three hour sesh would 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 not have been bad. <laughs> I think that's got to be the the front runner at this point. A lot of reasons that we like this movie. I think if you're if you, that probably from the first month of this podcast, we've been talking about when we we're going to settle this baby. Kai, I feel like you, you've been the longtime advocate. I was an early advocate. Yeah. And as it's funny, this movie seems to have a cult following and Rob, a fellow former Gilman Greyhound, former teammate of ours, Andrew Gemma actually turned me on to this and was I'd say as devout of a follower as you are. And yeah, it's funny. These, these things come full circle, right? But he introduced me. I've been wanting to do it for a long time. Happy you picked it out. Why, why now though? Uh, an interesting question. So I'm, I'm always on the hunt for good plane movies. Uh, my, my wife, Helen is, I wouldn't say the most open when it comes to, <laughs> comes to the movies. So I, a good animated <laughs> flick always plays and. I thought this one would, it's it's a pretty easy win. And so we we busted this out on the plane back from the honeymoon. We had the first one downloaded by the grace of, grace of God, the grace of Odin, perhaps. The second one was on the plane. So we ripped the first one. We went straight into the second one. And then we got home and like a day later, just had to wrap up the trilogy. So I was just reminded of what a special movie and a special score it is. It really Peak is. Universal. Peak Universal, Shrek days. Oh, and yeah. Were, I mean, Rob, yeah. talk us, what's, what's your history with this? Did you see it right off the rip? Were you, how were you introduced? I saw it right away. Um, it was, I think it was released in two, early 2010, spring of 2010. Yeah, in uh, the end of 2009, Avatar had just come out, and my wife Caitlin and I were just obsessed with Avatar. We watched it probably four times in that span from when Avatar was released to when How to Train was released, and I thought that Avatar was going to be 
the movie of the year. I didn't think anything was going to top it. And then in came How to Train. And we did the same thing with How to Train that we did for Avatar. We just had it on repeat. We watched it. I kid you not, in that year, we probably watched Avatar and How to Train 10 times each. And it was just our movie. We loved it. And it just, we felt we called it uncountable. Yeah, uncountable. We got a name for that. You, just, you don't we even got a know. Name for that we don't even know how many times you've seen it. It's for sure an uncountable. Second nature. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, there was there was definitely something special about that that kind of golden age of of early DreamWorks. We're talking ants. We're talking Prince of Egypt, Chicken Run, Little Rocha El Dorado, Shrek One and Two. So the DreamWorks is is picking up some steam. The movie How to Train Your Dragon is based off of a book that came out in two thousand three. And so DreamWorks had, as they're kind of getting through their their roster here, they had picked picked it up, and it's on their radar in like 2006 ish. I don't want to say they're they're losing their way because track record's a little bit inconsistent, but it's a time when Pixar is really coming up, and I would say like they could use they could use a win, and and they certainly got it with this one. Managed to assemble pretty all star comedic cast here i mean we, we basically got the whole this is the end crew we got jay baruchel we got we got mclovin we got jonah hill Kristen wig tj miller before he was little little better known rara shout out barbie oh yep 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 shout out barbie coming full circle i think she was she was pretty peak kind of like sisterhood of the traveling pants at this time too right that was probably a pretty a pretty solid get I, i'm pretty sure gerard butler as a stoic oh yeah i don't mm-hmm. yes yep so we we've got the we've got the first ingredient of a, a strong animated movie we got an all-star all-star voice cast and i think we on this pod would argue the next key ingredient here is the right the right composer to really bring bring the movie to life our composer for this one is is john powell he was an early disciple of, of Hans Zimmer at Remote Control. Trained trained with the best of them, as so many of today's composers did. And I would wager to say that John Powell is to early DreamWorks as Randy Newman is to early Pixar. Mm. He, he, he didn't single-handedly score a lot of these early ones, but he, he had his hand in Ants. In Road to El Dorado, in Chicken Run, in Shrek, in Kung Fu Panda, so he 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 was involved in a lot of. You know, shout out all those. You're not going to shout out robots. Come on, <laughs> he was in a robot suit. <laughs> I mean, look, we got to yeah, draw a line somewhere. We, we, I mean, we're going to do Shark Tale. We're going to do robots. <laughs> was it Shark Tale? Also, you got to give me credit for that. These are incredible early 2000s streamworks that you're just it's true. It's true. I mean, there is a long list, Scott. We don't have all day here. Shark Tale is, I don't know, Shark Tale and Hitch, still Will Smith's two best performances. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Kai, on that, on that topic, I think you actually missed one iconic Will Smith performance that John Powell was also involved in, which is Hancock. So he's kind of Whoa. doing, he's doing the DreamWorks thing, and in parallel, he's doing some pretty iconic early, mid-2000s action flicks. We're talking Hancock, we're talking Jumper, Talking Mr. and Mrs. Smith. 
We're talking X-Men The Last Stand. Something about Jumper and Hancock just feels right. They're like very movies that are very much on par in my mind. <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny. I feel like all of these movies were just running on FX or or certain cable television yeah. to all of these movies. But... No doubt, no doubt. And the ones that he's really known for was the Matt Damon Born Born movies. This is all to say that I think he, at the time that they were doing How to Train, he was very well equipped to handle this blend of animation and, and action, right? Because if you, I mean, you comp to some of the other DreamWorks movies, I think How to Train Your Dragon is certainly a bit more ambitious from an, an action and like a pacing perspective, certainly a grander scale. And he meets that scale really well. He meets it with, with what I would call a masterclass in motifs. As you settlers know, we are a, a huge fan of the leitmotif. Leitmotif is a, a essentially a, a theme that relates to a, a character or a person, a thing that reminds us throughout the movie what that that person or thing is is all about. We're not talking Lord of the Rings level. We're not talking triple digit. No triple digit leitmotifs out here. But this is, after all, a simpler movie. It is certainly an ambitious and grand adventure. But we don't have the Lord of the Rings level nuance. So really want to ground the the episode here and the motifs that we hear in How to Train. Most of them are presented in like the first five minutes of the film. That little intro to Burke mm-hmm. that we get. The iconic intro to Burke. I see some nods. I see some some smiles. There's something about that sequence. There's something about that sequence. And then you get the full circle at the end with the same same theme. It's great. Yes, great. Exactly. Or it snows nine months out of the year. It hails the other three. The food we grow here is tasteless and <laughs> like tastelessly bland. As are the people. Yes. Yeah. There's something. There's a reason I think that they they like start and end each movie with that. And there's a reason that the the music plays so well. I think that sequence is really like intentional world building. Right, it gives us very grounded quickly in this world, and the music does the same and, and plays a huge part in introducing us to all the key characters, all the key themes. I mean, I think in that this is Burke theme, we get we get the Burke theme, we get a little bit of Astrid's theme, we get Stoic's theme, we get Hiccup's theme. I think the only theme we don't get is everyone's favorite Night Night Fury. Toothless, which takes a little... Kai's going toothless out here. <laughs> and yeah, I just, I love that intro. I think the, the most important part of it, of course, is introducing us to the dragons and their relationship to the dragons. Whenever we do like an alien movie, I feel like we're always talking about the alien design. I want to take a second here, talk about the dragon design. I think it's a huge part of what makes this movie so effective. Yeah, I was going to say, good. if we had yeah. to qualify the, the four of us, if you had to give a, give a dragon type to each of us, who, who, would, each, who would each be? Oh, you beat me to speed. it. You beat me to it, Ev. I got, I, got the, I got the list of dragons on hand here. Let me, I'm pulling it up me, right now. Yeah, let me throw it in chat. Everybody can take a look. <laughs> and we should probably stick to the dragons from the first one. Just Yeah, yeah I see. 
Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like sticking to the original 150 Pokemon out here. We can't. 151. We can't, 151. Yeah, 151. Excuse me. <laughs> I feel like we need to pick each other's. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got I've got a couple thoughts here. Yeah, I let's think, see what you got. Sure. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I and Ev are gonna be the hideous Zippleback, the two-headed beast. <laughs> get a one one breathes the. The gas, the flammable gas, and one spits fire. I, I, I think that's them. And then I'm going to say, Al, I'm going to give you the the deadly natter. They're just a, an all around great dragon, good style, <laughs> just like you had at your wedding. <laughs> Strong, loyal, good dragon. Fits you. Quality dragon. I love that. I mean, if if Astrid's picking it out, I'm I'm on board. <laughs> Absolutely. Kind of regret that Evan and I didn't do some sort of fire dancing sequence now at the wedding. That <laughs> you designation, had your, you had your best men speeches though. I know. Two of them. <laughs> so we can we gonna do Rob? Are we gonna do Rob? I kind of feel like Rob's a Gronkle after seeing him yeah. out on the soccer pitch. Barreling <laughs> <laughs> through people on the soccer pitch at the wedding. Yeah, Rob yeah, was, baby. Rob was always a. A force to be reckoned with in the center mid, shall we say? Uh, just and, a lot uh, of art. Rob would be a Rob would be a dangerous Gronkle though, because he's got his he's got his wits about him on on any kind of pitch. He's a he he may seem like a just your average Gronkle <laughs> on the surface, but he's got he's a got lot. Footwork. He's got footwork. he's got footwork. He's got a lot cooking. <laughs> he's in the right place at the right time. Deception, deception. It's it's good for me. It's it's played well for me over the years. You're not expecting <laughs> it. Yeah, well, I I think what's what's great about the dragons is that they they very intentionally designed them to basically just reflect a combination of animals. It's not just like, this is a dragon. It's yes, they're like t- maybe twenty percent dragon, but like toothless is twenty percent panther and like twenty percent bat, and just makes them a lot more relatable because I think you see them and you're like, this is not just a intimidating fire breathing lizard. This is like something that I can feels a little more tangible. We got to think the dragon genus, right? Spawned many different types here. I know we, our generic dragons all tend to look the same, <laughs> yeah. but we would certainly suspect that yeah, there would be many variations of natural selection when it comes to these dragons. Well, this movie was certainly well-loved. Dragons play no small, no small part in that. John Powell picked up his first Oscar nom for this one. Unfortunately, it came out in 2010, so any devout settler will know that it was going up against one of our top settled scores ever, Social Network. Hmm. Tough go. It's a tough go. Because in a, in a different year, you could see you could have seen this score maybe making a run, but it went down to the Social Network. I think it's a great and interesting comp because this score is so overtly thematic. Whereas the social network, of course, is like the hallmark of the more modern kind of textural score. Um, you guys think there should maybe be a separate uh, category for animated scores? You want to go separate? Or with that? Go se- or, <laughs> or with that, potentially? I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting debate. But what, what makes you feel like it deserves its own category, Kai? I don't know, because you put this in that category and obviously it's going to blow everything else from 2010 out of the water. So would it deserve maybe a little 
Yeah, there's well, a lot of people. I think I'm looking at it right now. I think Up was also nominated. I think Up actually won that year. For best am I, animated wrong, am I wrong in that? No, for for best score. For best score, yeah. Ooh. And Come Avatar was out. also involved. Mm. Up did win. It was up. Michael Giacchino. Fact check. Fact check. Get the archivist in the Major mix. Rob is the new archivist. Spreading yeah. fake news. Wait, 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 wait. The network was not information campaign. But I don't. I, I'm seeing different here. I'm seeing different. Uh, oh no! Go on. No, that was go 2009. On the Oscars website. That was, that was 2009. That's 2009. That was 2009. Come on, Come on now. Yeah, Rob's uh, coming on the pod. Uh, we invite him on the pod. He tries to call me out. He thinks I'm spreading <laughs> fake news. We do. We do our research here on settling the score, Rob. We do our research. Oh man! But it's a good. It's a good testament to show that Kai. I think it doesn't need its own. Doesn't need its own category because up. Up got it done. Up showed yeah, up. Yeah, that's true. Up did get it done. <laughs> that was a weak year, though. That's what I'm saying. In a different year, yeah, Avatar a different time, there. perhaps perhaps it could have made a run. There's no doubt that this is a thematic score. John Powell has hit us pretty hard with the what we call the overscoring technique. Music is layered in basically every single scene of the movie, even when it's not necessarily needed. But it certainly puts it puts it at the front of your mind after you watch this thing. So we've talked a lot. I've talked a lot. Let's let the let's let the themes take over, shall we? Okay there, bud. We're gonna take this nice and slow. Here we go. Here we go. Position. Three, no, four. All right, let's go time, let's go time.
Didn't remember why why the score is so good. I hope that served as a reminder. Let's get a couple one words. Hmm. Hmm? A couple. Is that your one word, Kai? Hmm? Is that, that's your one word? <laughs> hmm. Oh, Rob, you only you may have a couple in mind, but here on settling the score, you only get one. I know the rules. I know the rules. Maybe on other podcasts, they'll give you two, Rob. <laughs> here, you get one. It's, it's, word. A, it's one word. Only. <laughs> Lawless. I'm going to go. I'll, I can start. I'm going to go belonging. I'm going to keep it simple. Courage. Courage. Go with freedom. Mm. All great. I think for me, it's going to be unified. Ev, why don't you start us off? Yeah, belonging. I was debating between that and camaraderie, actually. Uh, but I think this is kind of past the point where they've established their friendship. Um, but I think this is the first time that we see hiccup in a in a place of accomplishment and achievement he's finally found his place and his place is amongst the dragons and it's creating things and inventing things to help people instead of to to kill dragons essentially i think he's been like forced into a mold for most of his life of this expectation of you're going to be the blacksmith's apprentice and you're going to help us build weapons to kill the dragons and he's actually much better and proud of creating things to to help toothless and this is the first time that we get to see his invention actually play out and and be successful in how he applies it and stuff so i think it's the first time we see hiccup feel a sense of of belonging with something or someone love that how about courage rob completely agree that's that's such a such a good one kind of along those lines a little bit i think throughout the movie was always true to himself and he lived in a world where being true to himself wasn't always easy. He had, his dad was the king and he had all of these expectations that you just kind of mentioned. And the fact that he was able to kind of stay true to himself and find a new path for the whole village is just extremely courageous. Yeah, for me, I love the idea of the heroes overcoming taming the animal and it's funny you mentioned avatar is the other movie you were obsessed with here rob because we've got a very similar kind of mastery of the flight sequence and it's so freeing to you as the viewer to see your protagonists like hit that level right suddenly they're cruising through the sky and can go anywhere and can really do anything and not just that but you get this sense that maybe hiccups village and and people are, are perhaps now free from this like vicious cycle of, of war against the dragons. Um, so I just, yeah, in the moment, like I'm feeling light. I, I don't know if there is a universal ride called like flight of, you know, the, the, the night fury or something, but it, this song will be playing during it as you're getting on. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of how you feel. You feel, you feel weightless and triumphant. 
Yeah, I like that point about wanting to see your protagonist succeed, Kai. And the reason I go vacation for this <laughs> is that I think to... what we're seeing here is really the, the creation of almost like a new protagonist, right? We we go from having just one or maybe having two in Hiccup and Toothless into this unified being that is both of them sort of working as a team. And it really does feel like from here on out, they are a unit that is working to solve solve problems for both of their their kind. What makes this song so epic and so special is that Pal just absolutely brilliantly blends Hiccup's theme and Toothless's theme in this in this piece. So I don't know if, if you guys picked up on it, but it's kind of flipping back and forth in the beginning as they're like each fighting for control. And then after he loses the cheat sheet and they kind of just embrace that they're doing this thing together, they just fully merge. We get a full motif merge from mm. then on out. And he really sig one mega motif. One, <laughs> one mega motif, <laughs> one protagonist. And he really signals that to us with a little key change. So we we're hitting back and forth. Then there's that sequence where they go all the way up. He loses the cheat sheet. We go into this like state of disarray. And that allows us to flow really nicely into this like elevated key change when they start whizzing through the rocks. And it's this just unbelievably uplifting moment because at long last, we see that they have come together. And really, the it's the first sign of that humans and dragons can come together. Epic. Well said. So there's a reason that we're clocking 60 million plus Spotify streams on this guy. It is it is well thought out. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this might it's got to be our first mega motif. So put a pin in it. Keep tracking them here on out. When we two mega motifs <laughs> become one, it's true. the The mega motif has wields a, an unheard of unheard of power. Something kind of interesting about the just like general design of this movie is that they're Vikings, but they're also Scottish. And somehow mm-hmm. that doesn't feel weird. Like from, I, from the start, it's like, wait a second, they're Vikings. Like, why do they have Scottish accents? I guess they were probably know, Scottish Vikings, but Scandinavian oh, I, Scotland. Let's call it that. I had this exact question. When I was doing my rewatch. I was like, why are they speaking with Scottish accents if they're Vikings? Looked it up. There were actually Norse Gales. There were Vikings that settled in Northern Scotland. And the tales from their mythology surround dragons living in caves. So they literally, I mean, the book is based on that, but it's its pulled directly from history. I was like, wow, I thought they just completely like just crisscross <laughs> cultures here. But but no, it's actually completely true. There's something about the, the Scottish kind of like subtext that makes it feel, I think, just like a little more, something, a little more friendly, a little more kind of like familial. And that definitely comes through to the music as well. John Powell's family was Scottish, and so he had a little affinity for for some of the Scottish instruments. And Jeffrey Katzenberg, who who runs DreamWorks, he was really into it too because he thought it lent like a lighter tone to the score. So if we're going Scottish instruments, what's going to be involved? And you know what our instrumental instrument is going to be here. We're talking Gilman convocation. <laughs> just, <laughs> Just absolutely. <laughs> 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 yep. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, breaking out the bagpipes. I mean, not not an easy feat, given that I feel like when you hear the bagpipes, you think you're going to hear one of maybe three main bagpipe melodies to bring it yes. in the mix here. Uh, but I thought it deserved the instrumental nod because he, he uses them in, in quite a range of different circumstances. Some variations of bagpipes were also known as like war pipes, and they were used similar to kind of like drum drum beat to give the enemy a little heads up and get them get them shaking on what was coming. So he uses it a little bit to that effect. But also here, I feel like it just 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 builds the lore. It just gives this this really unique and grand feel to the whole score, having it come in. It's great that it's tasteful. Uh, it's not overdone, the bagpipes. He doesn't love a good bagpipe. I mean, it just yeah. it just pleasant on the ears. I love it. Another <laughs> pleasant on fun, the ears. Another fun fact I I heard. It's not it's not related to the score, but just the sounds of toothless. I thought this was really interesting. They use the combination of elephant seals, horses, tigers, domestic cats, and just a human's voice to kind of capture all the noises that Toothless was making, which I thought was really fascinating. Wow. I think that's a that fully harkens back to what we were saying about the dragon design. You know, we got this, there's something familiar about them because they've done it so intentionally. We're not just getting near we get we got something that's a little more a little more a little more Absolutely. friendly a little more familiar as with any any kind of big overscoring you're going to be counting on the brass to hit hit home and hit hard that's where our musical term for the episode comes in he uses a lot of what are called pedal tones here and this i would basically think of as the kind of like the bass note of a chord that comes in really deep. It's kind of like a that sets the tone for a couple measures um, and it just holds. And so what it allows you to do is layer on stuff on top of it that will give you very different tones. So in in the, the piece where he's kind of weaving together um, Pickup's theme and Toothless's theme and Test Drive, like he sets that note and it allows him to hit us with Hiccup's theme and then in comes Toothless's theme and Toothless's theme sounds a little different than normal because we're grounded in a different note with this pedal tone, but it's still, it's there and it's familiar, but it takes on kind of a different meaning because that note is being held. So give a listen. You'll hear some of those big brass. I got to imagine somebody's just absolutely tubaed up, just, <laughs> just ripping those, ripping those pedal tones all score long. Certainly the big, critique of this score is that it is too present right even even when it's not there it's just because it's been basically like faded out and it's still like humming in the background so just curious for to hear people's takes like is it overdone is the fact that it's overdone what makes it so good and such a critical part of the film what do we think i rewatched it today and i was Obviously, <clears throat> listening for it a little bit more intently than I would if I was just kind of watching the movie. And I I didn't think that it was over overdone. I didn't think it was too much. I felt I felt like it, it did a great job, especially This Is Burke and Test Drive and maybe one or two others from the score did a great job just encapsulating the entire movie. You have the kind of ups and downs. You have the 
the inspirational moments in the songs in the movie. I just, I, I really didn't think it was overdone. And I think they did a great job kind of encapsulating it all. I just did the analytics. There's about 20% of the movie that has no score. So by minutes, you've got about 80% of the runtime is the Tied. score is playing. Tied. Mm. But I think there's also a big part of this that's like, a, a lot of this movie is is shown and not necessarily told when they show up to the the dragon lair and you're just kind of like seeing all these dragons flying around. It's very like ominous. There's also all these scenes of them flying and it's like almost communicated. Their emotions are almost communicated better, better and more effectively because of how the score is being used in those scenes. So I'll give them a pass. I, I didn't think it was overdone. Yeah, I'll, I'll hop on that train too. It's, it's not typically... It's not it's not Ev's top top kind of score in general, but I think this one is actually an exception for me. And I think it I think it has to do with the live motif, Sal. I think it really has to do with the really close pairing and blending of character themes through music that make it not feel overdone. Cause yeah, there are points where it feels like he's just someone just pulling a slider back to allow the dialogue to to come through. Um but the light motifs are so strong and like you mentioned, the blending, the the mega motif. Um, those are so, those are so pronounced and they, they hit, they hit so well. All right. Well, the pre-score coming in with some high praise. We ready, ready to settle this thing? Let's do it. Ready? Let's do it. Rob's been ready since 2010. I appreciate it. I'm ready. I've waited 13 years for this moment. <laughs> I mean, at this kick for us me, off. I can kick us off. For me, this is a come in. This is probably a top five score. I would say, just to give you guys some of my loves, I'd say Lord of the Rings is up there. Rudy is up there. Braveheart is up there. <clears throat> and I would say this is this is probably fourth. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go high. I'm gonna go high. I'm gonna go with the nine six. Wow. Nice. Set the strong. Bar. Set the bar. Yep. yep. Strong. And no need to validate it with us. Whatever your score is, is your score. It's, <laughs> it's me. Uh, it's me. That's why I kicked this it. off, Kai. That's why we I want you it. here. Set the tone of the 9-6. I'm going to come in right yeah. under him. I'm going I'm to throw it a 9-5 because I'm feeling the love here. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's my kind of score. It's a Kai score. I'm loving this. I mean, right? You've got this big big orchestra you got these awesome like action adventure going on and a protagonist who doesn't fit in but finds his place amongst the dragons as ev said so i love it i mean the light motifs they get me going especially the mega motif and the people have spoken on this i mean the the plays are, are outrageous on the spotify right like we got to recognize got to recognize talent so john Powell, nine five I feel like we did just a little side note. I feel like we didn't really talk about this, but it's kind of interesting that the only real antagonist in the movie is the the big dragon at the end. I mean, you can call Doic an antagonist. You can call the people of Burke an antagonist because they help pick up in, but there's the the dragon was the final the real antagonist, which is very interesting. Yeah. I almost feel like the the, the like the antagonist is the the wall between the two species and when that 
when that breaks, it feels like they've kind of defeated it together. Totally. Totally. Ev, you want to go next? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to come in slightly lower, but still, still pretty high. I'm going to give it a nine, 9.0 flat. I, I, I really like the score. Like I mentioned before, it's, it's not my typical cup of tea, but I think Robbie, you mentioned Lord of the Rings. That's, that's kind of our pinnacle or at least my pinnacle for like light motifs. And I think this comes in slightly lower than that, but the way that the characters are mapped to the different sounds, the way that the music is written again, to tell you such a story about all the characters, obviously the, the mega motif, we keep coming back to it, but, but blending, blending motifs. Yeah, it's irresistible. irresistible. <laughs> Blending motifs, and it all kind of ties into defeating that that common enemy, right? Once they realize the only reason the dragons are attacking us is because they got to feed the Red Death. We got to band together. We got to blend our blend our societies, blend our blend our cultures, blend our blend our motifs to 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 take him down. So yeah, it's a nine zero for me. Love it. I'm coming in right 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 in the same zone. It's going to be a nine four for me. I think. When you look at this on paper, DreamWorks 2010, John Powell and scoring Jumper and whatever else, I think this movie and this score just had no business being as absolutely top class as it is. And so for me, there's something, there's something very cool about seeing the movie go on that same David versus Goliath journey that, that our guy Hiccup is on. And so... It gets high marks because this formula is not unknown, just as there are a million animated movies about a misunderstood monster and a coming-of-age story, like a hero's journey parallel. There are a million people that are trying to do this type of, of score, and there's a reason that it, it stands out, because it just, if you're going to do it, do it right. Absolutely it slaps. It. it slaps. <laughs> it absolutely slaps. There's a There's a quote I found here from... A critic from the International Film Music Critics Association, the IMF, the IFMCA, <laughs> uh, that I think sums this up really well. And he said, it's very rare that one can listen to an entire 70 plus minute album and honestly say that all of them have musical merit, but that is genuinely the case here. Usually scores of this length have a fair amount of filler, but How to Train Your Dragon has every cue has worth. Um and that's, that is how it feels. None of the music feels misplaced. It doesn't feel like we're filling any space with anything. It's all there to advance the story, advance the plot, advance the, our understanding of the characters in the world. So yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a very efficient score in that way too. So I praise well, from the IMCFA. We don't, we don't consult them. We don't consult them enough. But not dishing out praise like that. Paul Hollywood handshake. It's so to come by. I think the, last thing that we didn't touch on is that I think the real power of any any light motifs, any kind of motif driven score is to see how it evolves over the course of not just the movie, but a, a full series, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, how these things come back and evolve. I think we'll we'll return to Burke one day and we'll 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 answer that question. But I think it's clear from this episode that the the, the foundation is set here from the first movie and it's a, it's a rare trilogy that continues to deliver. So we'll, we'll be back. We do love a trilogy. Oh, yeah. Love a good trilogy. You mentioned trilogy. Star Wars, Al. Didn't, didn't John Powell do a uh, solo? He did. He did. He did. Didn't he score solo? He did. His resume is so impressive. Yeah. And with good reason. 
Well, until our next trip to Burke or wherever else the next episode may take us, settle on. Settle on. Settle on. Settle on. Thanks for having me, guys.